0: Uh, normally, I ask Brian to come up, um, but I've got Alison coming up uh, at this time, and she's going to um, do the reading for us. So, excuse
1: me. Okay. So, reading is from Matthew 25. It's Matthew 25, and it's verses 31 to 40. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for i was hungry and you gave me something to eat i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you took me in I was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you took care of me i was in prison and you visited me then the righteous will answer him lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink when did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you and the king will answer them truly i tell you Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Alison. Amen to that. I thought today that uh, once I get my notes, that is. um, that I wanted to talk about how the church will be measured. And uh, the the reason for that is that um, since we started Rehope Royston, we said that um, loving God, the, you know, the commandments that, that Jesus left us was to love God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all, all your strength. And then Jesus goes on and says, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I wanted to explore loving your neighbor as yourself and and and, and that's what today's uh, service is going to be about this is what the, the, the teaching is going to be about today the first thing you'll notice is that jesus talks about three things and, and these three things which is matthew uh, 22 and then Ma- matthew 25 and then matthew 28 um are all directed not at humanity but at what is going to be the church, right? That was his disciples, right? So the 12, then the 11 of them, was who he was talking to. Because he was God, he knew that this would soon turn into, as it is today, 2.5 billion people who are Christian, right? So it starts with that tiny mustard seed, But this is important for us because the verses you've read aren't to humanity. They are to the church and that makes them quite significant on how we operate as church as who you and I are. Jesus said the greatest and most important command is to love God with all your heart soul mind and the second is to love your neighbor. jesus also gave his disciples the great commission go make disciples of all nations and i think we are disciples because we were we became christian we are christians we give our lives to god which is in this long line of what jesus commanded of disciples making disciples so we are disciples of the disciples which is fantastic but it brings a lot of responsibility because that's what Jesus is doing here he's preparing his disciples to take on the responsibility of doing church on earth and what he what he said about this is that um, we have to go out in all the earth and tell people the good news Good news is that god loves them and that through jesus through belief in jesus and understanding that jesus died on the cross and rose again we can become reconciled with god and have eternal life it's that simple um, but as you and i know it's not that simple every day uh, living that out so that's what we're going to look at a little bit When Jesus is talking to the disciples as individuals and as a corporate group that made up the first church he would have been quite controversial and that controversy has lasted all the way through the church for the last 2,000 years the church has had its own struggle with kind of sides on this issue For centuries, over the way we live out our faith, should we be more focused on saving souls or meeting people's physical needs? But this is a false contradiction because Jesus did both and he's expecting his church to do both. There's not one or other They are absolutely together. Jesus cared deeply about the poor and the downtrodden. Demonstrating his compassion in tangible ways. Giving sight to the blind. Touching the leper. Healing the sick. Making friends with those rejected by society. He was in all the places that weren't cool. He was touching people like lepers who were literally put out of the city and not touchable. They were known as the untouchables because his love covers everybody, but particularly those who are rejected from society and are indeed poor. But he also preached the good news of God. And God's love through salvation it wasn't that he chose one over the other he did absolutely both go out into all the world with the good news that's what we're commanded to do but first in Royston Rehope Royston in the window our signs today are as you can see love God is the number one priority number two Love your neighbor. Number three, care for the poor and the marginalized. That's what God, that's what Jesus expects of our church. Being on Jesus' side means doing it all. He instructed his followers to change the world in his name. By embracing these essential two commands: love God and love your neighbor. The Great commandment uh, and the Great commission, we are to love God and love our neighbors as ourselves, and we are to go and make disciples of others who will do the same. And that's, of course, Matthew 22 and Matthew 28. It's tempting to focus mainly on the Great Commission. As if evangelism is our only responsibility. But loving our neighbor is also critically important to Jesus. Now, I come from a business background and I'm really interested in these verses, right? Because in a business context, you would be going. So what are the actual deliverables? What are the objectives here? Now, what I see from Jesus is that he isn't saying, ever, right? We need uh, 2.5 billion Christians by the year uh, 2020. Please, that's your target. Get on with it. It's never mentioned. Numbers are never mentioned. But he's really specific when he talks about dealing with poor people, with the widow, with those in prison, with those struggling, with those without clothes isn't it really interesting that the objectives he gave us were to help people that was the measurables and he says that's how he's going to measure the church when he comes back in his great judgment he is going to take the church aside and say did you feed the hungry did you help the poor because in doing so that was like helping me that's how I'm going to measure you. So it is really kind of upside down from our kind of normal thoughts on getting out there, getting the good news out there, people saved for eternity, job done. Actually, that's God's job. Our job is to love God with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Interesting. Of all the times that Jesus spoke to his disciples, None is is as compelling as Matthew 25, because Jesus is describing how the church should be, God's kingdom and earth should be, when he goes back to heaven. And it's pretty clear what the priorities are. And, And I think that's what really sort of shocked me when I was reading this again i would have come from when i became a christian at 16 i would have been in a tradition of evangelicals which would have been a uh, gung-ho let's get as many people saved as possible and that's important i get that but actually the bit that jesus is talking about here is and how you treat others how you treat the poor is going to be what's on your your um uh, card how you're going to be marked how you're going to be measured Jesus is talking about God's justice here. And in a time during COVID and everything that we're seeing at the world at the moment, um, the whole Black Lives Matter uh, movement, all of that, our time in in Royston, we're overwhelmed by the amount of injustice is in the world. So Jesus is on the mark because he's God, and he understands the future, past, and uh, the present. Jesus is talking about justice here. And the church's part in that justice. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's pretty specific. This illustrates the amazing depth of Jesus' love for humanity. His identification with the least of these is so profound that when we reach out to them with love and enter their pain, it is Jesus himself we are loving and embracing. So we're not doing it because it feels like the right thing to do. It's because Jesus commanded it. And he said, when you do it, you're doing it for me. Last Sunday, um, it was good fun last Sunday. I really enjoyed last Sunday. I particularly enjoyed going up uh, for the prayer walk in Royston and we walked up to the the spire and the sun was beating down and it was just a great experience. And I I, I stood there going, oh, I really have an affinity with this place. I like Royston. It felt so good. It felt so good to be there. And I was like, oh, this is good. I'm enjoying this place. This is this is the place I should be. Thank you, God. And, and then I was listening to somebody in the shop. Um, and I was listening to her pain and agony and her distress. And I genuinely feel her sorrow. And I realized in that high of Sunday and that reality of Tuesday. Is that's what Jesus is looking for from us. God is there. God is in Royston. He's working in Royston. And he wants to work through us to have that ability to reach those in need. Living out the Great Commandment in the ways described in Matthew 25 enables the Great Commission to happen. You are not viable or authentic if all we do is get a megaphone and blare out, you need to know Jesus. That's the truth absolutely it's the truth that that is that's what you would be blaring out it's not a lie it's the truth but jesus is saying it's through your deeds and how you treat others with that message which will make it authentic real and genuine remember they will know you are christians by your love for one another that was one of the things we did right at the very beginning of, of Rehope Royson. And that's true of this situation when Jesus is saying, this is what the church should look like. It should be reaching out. It should be loving the poor. It should absolutely, first and foremost, be praising and worshiping God and loving God back. So you want to be agents of the Great Commission, first we must become agents of the Great Commandment. Being close to Christ means being close to the poor. When Jesus is saying all of this stuff about justice, I kind of see three, four themes in this. And the first one is community. Others have a claim on my wealth. So I must give voluntarily. The Bible depicts the human world as profoundly interrelated community. That's what it is. It's an interrelated community. Everything is dependent on everything else. Whereas most non-Christian philosophies would see it much more in, you know, the strongest winds. And if you're following American politics at the moment, that's definitely what it looks like. It looks pretty basic. Um, you know, a sort of mud fight. Um, and, and that's not what God's saying about society and humanity saying we're utterly interrelated, we are one. And therefore we have responsibilities for those that are struggling. And that is so Old Testament. You know, that isn't something Jesus came up with. Jesus was fulfilling the law and all through the Old Testament, God is constantly reminding his people to look after the foreigner, to look after the widow, to look after the orphan. It's not new it is central to what God's Bible is all about there's a guy called um Walt <laughs> don't even know how to say his name you can tell I read this um but his, his name's spelled w-a-l-k-e and similarly he's a, a fabulous teacher of the old testament and Tim Keller says so so he must be so so there, there you go um and he talks about in the book of Proverbs around, you know, you constantly, when you read the book of Proverbs, talks about the righteous, the righteous, the church, is the righteous. We are, we are the righteous. And it says, Proverbs, in, he, in the book of Proverbs, into a concise and practical principle. The righteous, God's people, are willing to disadvantage themselves, to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves that's what he says that's what makes us salt and light that's what makes us different we've got to go against the flow of writing off people because the world does we've got to go against the flow that some people really don't matter because god thinks everybody matters so just say that again. I just love that the God's people are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. It's quite funny now that I've been in Rehope Royston for a while and in Royston, I spot—I never did before. I was so innocent. I now spot the the, the deals drug deals going on all the time these people don't care about these people they only care about themselves our job is to love these people both the dealers and the dealt with the second point is equity or equality everyone must be treated equally and with dignity um we don't have time but if you read leviticus Leviticus twenty four twenty two. you are to have the same law for foreigners as the native born some refugees are coming here they have a right like we have a right because they're God's people that's what the Bible says Isaiah 58 um, verses 7 and 8 equality and dignity is a key element of our walk with God That's a Meldrum translation, by the way. Um, But that's what it says. It's actually about our dignity of others is our responsibility. And it's a key element of walking with God is giving people the dignity and the equality they should have. We must care for the poor and marginalized. Um, No partiality, though, And what I mean by that is that nobody is extra special to God. Rich or pure, you are loved equally. But he does say that it isn't an equal playing field out there. It's not level. It's unlevel for a lot of people. And sin creates even more of an unequal world. So God's saying remember the poor and powerless care for them i'm watching you doing that it's important to me learn in isaiah 1 17 it talks about learning to do what is good um, pursue justice correct the oppressor defend the rights of the fatherless plead for the widow's case here in royston we have the privilege to engage with people to help people. Even in this time of COVID, we're able to meet with people during the week, completely legally, which is great. And and God didn't give us a church building yet, but he gave us a shop unit that we can operate and meet with people. And some of the people we're meeting are incredibly isolated. And we're the only face-to-face people that can come and have a cup of tea with and a chat. God is good to us and he's done great things and he's showing us, what love looks like in Royston. The ba- Bible balances our individual freedom. With community obligation. And I love that about the Bible because it's not all about me. It's all about God and through that it becomes all about your neighbor. The Bible doesn't say speak up for the rich and powerful. Not because they are less important uh, as, as persons before God, but because they don't need you to do it. They have the power. It's the powerless that don't. In this aspect of justice, we are seeking to give more social, financial, and cultural power to those that have the least. And that is a specific part of God. God's character is about that type of justice. And Jeremiah 22 talks about that. The third thing, individual responsibility. I am finally responsible for all my sins, but not for all my outcomes. The Bible does not teach us about success or failure is holy. Due to our individual choices a lot of them are let's be clear a lot of stuff that we do leads us into real trouble with God and into sin and needs and and, and and we need that's why we need salvation but poverty for example can be brought on by personal failure yep talks about that in proverbs but it may also exist because of environmental factors such as famine such as plague, such as sheer injustice. And you see that in Proverbs again, you see it in Exodus, you see it across the whole of the Old Testament, and here in what Jesus is talking about in, in Matthew. So we're not, to, we're not in complete control of our life outcomes. However, the Bible insists that ultimately our salvation lies in what we do as individuals. We need to believe Jesus is the son of God and that he died for us and that he rose again so that we can be saved. Absolutely. Our job. It doesn't say that we have a job to count up the number of body bags. We've got of people becoming Christians. What it does say is that we have to take care of the poor and through us taking through care of the poor. Then when we do tell them the good news. We will be more authentic. Finally, or nearly finally, I'm looking at finally, but seeing that there's another page to go. So nearly there, nearly there. Hold in there, folks. Finally, caring for people in this way signals whose side we're on. We, and, And then the reason I'm saying this is because the world is incredibly political at the moment. And everybody's, you know, either a Brexiteer or not a Brexiteer or a Trumpite or a a Bidenite or whatever. Everything's about sides. In Royston, it's about sides. Often we hear of people that have fallen out with people because they're on one side and one family or other. We do the same with our own families. It's constantly about sides. So we need to be clear. We are on God's side. No other side and God's side says I want you to love all people God desperately loves us all When we demonstrate this love to the world through acts of kindness compassion and justice We open the way for a message of the Savior Who transforms men and women for all eternity And that's the outcome that Jesus wants he wants people to hear the good news and he wants them to turn to him they have to do that themselves we can absolutely help them and um, when I was in Egypt um, we were talking to uh, people that just feed the poor and they could see by us judgy westerner faces like and when does the gospel come into this and uh, the guy said to me said um can't teach anybody anything with with an empty stomach, um, and it turned out they had tons of people becoming Christians. So, so the principle actually works. So let us not be judgy on 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 how we act. Let us be loving in how we conduct ourselves. Transformation will come when we dest- demonstrate this love to the world through acts of kindness, compassion, and justice. We open the way for the message of the Savior who transforms men and women for all eternity. Amen. The storyline of the entire Bible, sorry, the the storyline of the whole Bible is God's repeated identification with the wretched, powerless, and marginalized. The central story of the Old Testament is liberation of slaves from captivity now this is because jesus has the the, god's people have had a hard time and they mostly have a hard time (laughs) through the whole bible but jesus himself was a refugee and his family jesus gets it gets what it's like to be poor when he uh, was circumcised his mom and dad brought two old pigeons uh, for the sacrifice that was the Poorest people's sacrifice. He came from poverty. He gets it. And he talks about why these people are important, which is so good, which is just so good. Over and over in the Bible, God delivers, deliverers are usually social, racial and social outsiders. People seem to be weak and rejected in the eyes of the power elites of the world. Nothing much has changed. So God and Jesus is saying, keep going, keep looking after the poor, being there. In this country, food banks are a bit of a disgrace. But if it wasn't for the church he's starting them, we would have had higher poverty levels than we experience at the moment. God wants to use us in the places that nobody else wants to be. Be prepared. I do have challenges for this week. Um, there's been a theme that Brian's had this word of charge um, and move forward and, and, and all that good stuff. And I, and I think that's truly a, a word from God. Um, and, and, and that will happen. Here in Rehope, at Royston, I've got these three challenges. The first thing I want you to do is to be still. Relax. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. This week, take time to allow God to recharge you. I know you're going to like it. Um, Recharge you. Take a posture of listening to God. God often moves most in our lives when we stop running around trying to please him and sit and listen to him. So take that time this week to relax with God. It would be good, I think, to read Ephesians 6 because if we are, and we are, we have no choice but to move forward and re-hope Royston, then I think we need to be equipped with the armor of God because we are in a spiritual battle. So the, the second challenge this week is to just take time when you're doing your read-through stuff to flip over to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 20 and physically pray on say it out loud pray on the entire armor of God because as God's soldiers as God's representatives this is not a battle of flesh and blood this is a battle of spiritual things and we need to be ready for that so please please do that I hope that's been useful for you today, Um, and if if you do have any questions or any of that stuff, just um, either text me, email me, or come and see me if you're on the south side at the end. But what we we do have the opportunity now to do is to pray for a moment or two, and then we're going to go back into a time of worship to um, finish off the service for today, Um, and, and we'll do that momentarily, just as I muck about with the technology to get uh, my screen the right way up that's better Uh, there we go so normally at at this time we would um, just go into a time of worship and, and praise and prayer but let's just stop finish and pray first of all Father we love you and we want to do what you're asking us to do, to love our neighbor as ourselves. Father, we love and are growing in love, the love you already have for Royston. We're starting to see glimmers of that in our own lives. And We pray, Father, that we can serve you well in Royston. And we ask for every single person that we meet, that they will be impressed not by us, but by our love for you and your love for them. Father, bless this church. Use this church. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.